A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, what a Wimbledon that was. A first British men's singles finalist in 74 years, so nearly a winner for the host nation, but ultimately another Grand Slam title for Roger Federer, his 17th, and he's the number one player in the world yet again. We reviewed the tournament and talked to Pat Cash, 25 years on from his win, right here on the Tennis Podcast. So we sit here on the roof of the Broadcast Centre here at Wimbledon, no more than an hour and a, hour and a half after the final of the men's singles here at Wimbledon, one of the most extraordinary finals we've seen in many years, perhaps not on the dramatic level of Rafael Nadal against Roger Federer four years ago, but it was approaching that sort of level, the final that that Andy Murray put up against Roger Federer, leading by a set to love. He was pushing him in the second set. I think Murray was playing very close to his very best tennis, and Federer found a level of tennis that I, I don't think I've ever seen before. I mean, I was courtside in the commentary box for BBC Radio 5 Live. I was doing all those sort of roving interviews, but I was able to sit there for the first three and a half sets and just watch them court level, Catherine. And it was breathtaking. The, the standard of tennis throughout the match, in terms of what Murray put out there early on, and in terms of what Federer managed to come back with, mm. it was just unbelievable. Mm, I had a text from a friend halfway through the uh, third set saying, saying Federer looks like he went into the locker room <clears throat> during the rain delay and found the Federer forehand of 2007. It was his forehand, and I think his serve and his forehand, he just cranked them up about three levels in the last two and a half sets, and that's what made the difference. I don't think Murray dropped his level I just don't think he was able to able to do he wasn't able to um, find the tools to to deal could with anybody have done I don't think Rafa, any, I, don't maybe. Think, I don't think anybody could have lived with well that. perhaps Rafa couldn't have lived with it but perhaps Federer wouldn't have found that level against Rafa because he just has that that block or whatever it is with with he's just not able somehow to find his top level against Rafa but <clears throat> I don't think there's there's much to criticise Murray for at no, all. No, no. I mean, he came out and he did what I think most of us wanted him to do. If you're looking at it as a fan of his, or even objectively, in the fact that he's been in three Grand Slam finals before this one and he's lost all nine sets, and I think the criticism has always been he's come out too passively and he's allowed events to take their course. Well, he didn't do that this time. No. He came out and he jumped on Federer. He found that perfect balance of aggression with because. Because all these people that are calling for Murray to be aggressive, I, I mean, I, I've agreed with them to some extent, but I also think you've got to realise what Murray's game is and what the strengths of it are. And I think he, for the first 
two sets he used his game um, to its maximum he was aggressive to the exact right degree but he also employed that that area of game which if his game which is not allowing the opponent to play how they want to play and to produce their best he did and, and there were there were lendl like moments in the match not only the fact that he almost took Federer's head off with one forehand with Federer stranded at the net but also the way he was just if there was anything mid-court Murray was trying to jump on it and put it away for a winner. There was no rallying just for the sake of rallying. He was he was going for it. And and I have to be honest that there was a moment after Jonathan Overend had finished his commentary in the first set and he sat next to me at the back of the commentary box as Alistair Eakin took the chair and we were halfway through the second set and I said to Jonathan I, I think Murray's got him here mm. and, and that was the feeling and bear in mind that before the match I'll be honest I thought that Federer would win probably in four maybe in five but I thought he would win I thought Murray would take a set but he looked as though he couldn't quite cope with what Murray was throwing at him and then I mean, it was just extraordinary. At the end of that second set, Federer started to find a level of tennis, and particularly after they had the rain break and, and they closed the roof, that I, don't th- I just don't think I've ever seen before. He was, he was taking on shots that, that Murray was hitting at him full blast, and he was just jumping on them and, 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 and sprinting all over the baseline. And it, I mean, it was a joy to behold in that regard. I agree, and I think... Um, although as you say they they were hitting of course they were hitting the ball very hard it wasn't just about brute force either I think it was a really um, intriguing match and uh, a really enjoyable match for for fans of tennis as a sport because it wasn't just about thrashing the ball as hard as you can as enjoyable as that can be be a good one to watch again wouldn't it if you without maybe the emotional attachment because i think watching it you you know it's pulling your heartstrings left and right no matter which one you support but as a tennis match as as just a, a sort of contest of strokes and strategy it'd be fascinating to watch it again I totally agree because I don't think I I, I didn't I can't honestly say that I enjoyed those four hours I was I would love to say that I did but it was a uh, it was a it was a painful even when he was winning it was painful quite frankly and I was looking at so you were on Murray's side of course I was and not just because you picked him for the for the for the did you pick no, him for the match? No, I can't because remember I, whether you I did or not. I was satisfied enough that I had picked the two finalists. You did say you'd get to the final, to be I, fair. I picked a Federer Murray final, which not many people were doing a what week ago. What happened to Nadal again? Shouldn't uh, bring that up. It's not, not the right time, you see. When somebody's in, in an it's emotional a state. It's prerogative to change her mind, <laughs> is it not? <laughs> Talking of women, Serena Williams, so we'll get point. back to that. I would like to watch it again without the uh, the uh, heart palpitations and gazing over at my pack of 30 party poppers. Um, you didn't have a pack of party poppers. I didn't purchase them myself, but I was within proximity of a pack of party poppers that, poppers that were looking at me and they insultingly were, for a set and a half. They wanted to pop, <laughs> and they had no reason to pop unless they suddenly emigrated to Switzerland. Um, <laughs> now, after the match finished... It was pretty emotional, wasn't it? I know what you're trying to get me to admit on uh, on the podcast here, and that is that I um, I cried. Not just a little bit, not just a little tear, which I could see in quite a few people's eyes. I was properly... Well, I had to leave the room that I was in, actually, because I was embarrassed about the uh, rate at which I was shedding tears. I thought it was gut-wrenching. Well, you were in good company because uh, the man himself was crying as well and, and I do recall back uh, in 2003 when Roger Federer won his first title, the headline on the next day's newspaper was Roger Blubberer 
which is a bit mean. So we all do it. We'll do it. Um, I was in a slightly more fortunate position in that, uh, that I was waiting outside the clubhouse for Roger Federer to emerge with his trophy and show it to the crowd that had developed there. Uh, little did I know that they, he was going to take the long way around. So when they handed to me, I didn't have a 20-second build-up to the big moment of him unveiling the trophy. I had a good three minutes to try and fill all on my own. And then it started raining. And so there we were, stood underneath a, a, a huge canopy of uh, of umbrellas um uh, all huddled together and i was trying to fill the airwaves for about three minutes but hey that's what we're meant to do um but um no it was a very emotional moment i think if i'd have seen that with my own eyes i'd have probably been with you i'd have probably been there trying to hide that but there we are um, and, I, and i really do hope that public perception shifts now of andy murray because i think he's been Perhaps, perhaps through um, <clears throat> not fault of his own, but through his own actions, misunderstood. I think I don't. I don't think the British public have got him. I don't. I. I you know. I think, and uh, and I think, without a- having to consciously think, oh, you know, people want more emotion from me. Perhaps I should. You know, it was all completely natural. But I think he showed a side of himself that a lot of people will be able to relate to today. Do you think he'll win one? Do you think he'll win Wimbledon, first of all? I do. I do. But it was interesting this week. I was, I, I was, you know, I've heard a lot of people's predictions this week coming up to the Live at Wimbledon studio and former champions and people who's, who's repin- whose opinions everybody respects. And so two different questions are asked. Will Murray win one? Most of them say yes. And then will he win this week? And, say, and they say no. So you think we'll win? And so, well, it's not going to get any easier. So at some stage, you're going to have to predict, if you're predicting that he'll win one, when are you going to predict that he'll win the final? Yeah. It's... Richie Krejcik came up with a good one. He's going to win. The, he's going to win the title. He said on day one, and then just before it started, he said, "As long as they don't close the roof." And then they closed the roof. And do you what think happened? the roof was what made the difference? So do you think it was the roof being on, or do you think it was having the break? of the roof going on no I, I, do, I don't think the break caused a problem I mean I think the momentum had shifted by then I think the, the break actually did Andy Murray good in as much as he had chance to regroup mm. I just think that Roger Federer found a level that nobody on the planet can match particularly indoors but do you think that's because it was indoors do you I think, think it I helped think that's, that it was that's indoors? part of it I think Federer yeah. had already found that level though I think yeah. he was already on the road to doing that it's just that it's that much more effective indoors but anyway, we'll never know, will we? We'll you know, know, it's it's the same conditions for both players ultimately, and the right man won in the end. In as much as he he was he was a deserving victor, I feel sorry for Andy yeah. Murray. I hope he wins one, but you know, mm. unless you win it, you don't deserve to win it. It's no, as simple can, as that. He's he's thinking exactly that. He's not kidding himself. I no. think that he's probably beating himself up more than anybody else could in the papers tomorrow, which I I hope they don't. Um, I don't think it'll be that bad, to be honest. I think that people know that he pushed him. They know he left everything he'd got out there on the court. And he was up against a superhuman athlete who's now won 17 Grand Slam titles. And who knows how many more he might win. I mean, would you bet against Roger Federer at the Olympics in a few weeks' time? Certainly not. No, I, I don't think I would because he looks fresh too. That's the other thing to, to, to bear in mind. I think Murray goes into the Olympics with a good chance. I think Djokovic will come out decently I, I don't like Nadal's chances uh, he's uh, having a couple but, of weeks off now plus with he's, already, he's already got a gold medal I mean the only thing that Rafa has that Roger doesn't is a gold medal and 
Roger's all about the records now and all about ensuring that there's absolutely no black mark against his greatest greatest of all time title. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'd, <coughs> I'd pick Federer for the for the Olympics currently. I really would. I mean, I know that's probably the easy thing to say, but that's you know, I, I can't see anybody stopping him. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll happen. But best of three, he's the mm. best best of three set player in the world. Well, he's the best player in the world, number one. He is, and uh, it's a fantastic achievement. He will break Pete Sampras's record in on the 16th of July when the uh, when the the rankings change on Monday. He will equal it at 286 weeks. It'll become 287 in just over a week's time, and then the U.S. Open will come up shortly after the Olympics. And and I think that. Murray has a great chance there. I, I was just thinking that. I agree. He's his best surface by far. I think. I think today will it will have improved his confidence. I think it will dent him in the very short term because I think he's just going to be devastated for just emotionally. He's going to feel it for a long time. But in, in tennis terms, his confidence will be much improved. I think. Um, after this and on his favourite surface at a time of year when Rafa is a totally different prospect at the US IC than at the other three <clears throat> not just because of the surface but surface because of its um, because of its location in the calendar um, <clears throat> I think that could be very interesting Can I get some credit now for picking Serena Williams for the title? <laughs> You have been busting to... Oh, come on. I mean, I, I took enough stick for absolutely. that first round loss at the French Open, didn't I? Do, but, but all this does is cancel out the ridiculousness of the... Well, not ridiculousness. The uh, <clears throat> the spectacular the spectacularity with which your prediction of her winning the French was wrong. I mean, a first round loss. Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, was it Sharapova oh. you picked for this title here? When did she go out? I believe it was the fourth round. Yeah, well, that's mm. rubbish, isn't it? I mean, come on. Serena Williams, nobody gave her a chance except me. I'm the only know, one on the planet that believed in her, apart from the other two million. Right, credit where credit is due. Yeah, great. There we go. Okay. Speak no more of it. She did well, though, didn't she? Apart from my prediction, what a performance by Serena Williams. That was up there with Federer, and perhaps even more spectacular an achievement, given what she has been through physically over the last two years. Her father, Richard Williams, said to me... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Three or four days ago, I thought I was going to lose her. 
I thought she was not going to be alive anymore after what happened to her and that that she was going to pass away. And that is a pretty big thing to say. Mm -hmm. And within a year and a half, she's come back and won this title. Fantastic. Yeah, that is sensational. And won the doubles as well, which is nice for Venus, given the nature with which she went out this year and with people speculating that she might not be back. I mean, I don't think, with Serena, sort of making comparisons with Federer, I don't think she played whereas with Federer in the last two sets today I think he played as well as he ever has in a Wimbledon final I don't think Serena was at her absolute best yesterday but she didn't need to be the fact is she was the best person in the tournament and that in itself is a a spectacular achievement I think given everything you just said well that pretty much wraps up a most wonderful Wimbledon I think the best one that I've been involved in and and I've probably been to 13 or 14 of these um, as uh, in a working capacity I've seen many more uh, as, a, as a spectator queuing in the queues and on TV since ooh, 1800s no I mean certainly back to 1981 is the first Wimbledon I can ever remember I don't remember a more fun enjoyable first week than this Wimbledon uh, I, I, I think we've had some wonderful storylines some fantastic matches and this is a great time to be involved and, and interested in tennis with probably four of the greatest men's players that have ever played the game all at the same time Um, Serena Williams still doing it on the women's side and lots more fun to come and in our special interview we also celebrate the career of Pat Cash a man who won this title 25 years ago the man who started the uh, the trend of players celebrating their titles by walking up into the players box and embracing their coaches and family as Serena Williams did after the women's final a couple of days ago it's been a fantastic run that Pat Cash had 25 years ago and he talks to us about it here on the tennis podcast um, yeah I knew I was going to win it um, I know it sounds arrogant now but I kind of did I, I felt that I just kept it together uh, there wasn't really anybody I, who, who I couldn't beat. The only one I couldn't beat, I felt no, I couldn't beat, but I knew it would be really tough, would be Boris. I mean, he would two-time winner of 80, 85, uh, 85 and 86. Um, and, you know, he was the man. Um, I was playing well. I got to the final the Australian Open. Um, uh, lost to Edberg, but I had a bad shoulder that day, so I knew that I was only serving about half pace. I uh, Davis Cup final. So I had a lot of grass court matches. Davis Cup final in Australia uh, on the grass, which we won. So I had a lot of experience. I played under pressure, under big matches, uh, on the grass. And um, I just had to sort of keep it together. And, um, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a good run. I just really did feel like it was, it was my time. Um, I remember in about April, um, I, had, uh, I did an interview and somewhere, and, I, and they asked me about Wimbledon. I said, I think I can win it. I think I'll win it this year. And my, they got... got the article, the newspaper article, went back to Australia and was in the newspapers. And my dad gave me an absolute uh, uh, telling, telling off to sell. And you can't say that sort of stuff. Then what kind of pressure you're going to put yourself under pressure? You know that that do that sort of thing. So, so I sort of just kept my mouth shut after that. But I suppose I, I, I kind of knew that I, I had a great feeling if I just played well enough that I would I would win. And and uh, I did. I played a great couple of weeks. And uh, you know, lost to one set along the way, and everything sort of fell into place. And if you'd had that feeling for such a long, long time throughout that year, and obviously thoughts of winning had been been filling your mind for a long time, did you feel everything that you expected to feel when you when you won? 
Uh, no, not not at all. Um, it was it was very different. It was almost a letdown in, in many ways. It's uh, I don't know. It's one of those one of those things that um, for, for a long long time, I mean, back, a long time people were telling me I was going to win Wimbledon. I mean, you know, it's just one. Of, I don't know. It's a strange thing. It was a big thing for Australian tennis Australians to win Wimbledon. And you know, for a couple of years, I kept hearing this: "Oh, you're going to win Wimbledon one day." Blah blah blah. Um, as I said, it was a matter of keeping it all together, and and um, the job. Everybody had their job. You know, coach obviously. I had a sports psychologist there who was there to keep me calm and relaxed. And uh, my my trainer was with me, Anne Quinn. Um, she was a superstar trainer. Who used to, you know, get me sharp and and everything. And you know, obviously, it was me me to go out there and play play the match um, and um, I think when I achieved that it was more of a sense of of pride that we'd done it and that you know we'd all achieved our jobs and that I'd sort of you know obviously had to go out and do the do the work but everybody had helped um, a lot and um, you know a lot of personal issues as well because I was a young father and that was a lot of strain you know at the age of 21 having a baby and travelling the world with a baby is you know it's a um, not something I even envisioned back in the back before when I hit the circuit. So, you know, I did need a lot of support, and, and um, so it was a, a great sense of uh, pride and reward, I think, for myself and for everybody. And that was that's the reason why I went up to the, to the stands. You know, it's as simple as that, just to go up and and uh, thank everybody and to give them a cuddle and say exactly what I said to my coach when I got to him, and I said we and did it and uh, <laughs> that's pretty much exactly how I felt so yeah we did it and uh, yeah that was um, that was the aim and then we achieved the aim and did any other moment or emotion throughout your career match up to that or was that oh very much Davis Cup yeah I think Davis Cup was actually more fun um, because we had your teammates there and you're playing for your country as well and had the stadium you know almost full of uh, Aussies you know some obviously some Foreigners, uh, the Swedes. We played the Swedes twice, so a bunch of Swedes there making an awful lot of rack, rackets because um, uh, beer was cheap and uh, not in Australia. <laughs> Someone's mightily drunk. Not anymore. It's not. It's not so cheap now, but uh, still is cheap compared to Sweden, though. Anything's cheap compared to Sweden or Norway. Uh, um, but you know, to do it with your teammates, and again. Um, it was a job. It was a team team effort. You know, yeah, I won the hit the last ball, but you know, it was a team effort to to do it. And eighty six particularly, I played singles and doubles and won all three matches. So that was big. Um, eighty three was very much a team effort. We we're all very evenly matched, and we all won our match, matches that we had to win. Um, just great fun. You know, Aussies always grow up playing team sports, Aussie rules and cricket and whatever it happens to be rugby and and um, you know that's the one time we get together and we're actually. You know, teammates. Um, other than you know, you play doubles, but you you play doubles and then you can play your best mate first in the singles that same day. So it's tennis is weird like that, but in Davis Cup, it's uh, you know, it's all about the team. And can you honestly say, looking back on your career, that you have no regrets, or do you, do you have moments of, of feeling regret, maybe not winning the Australian Open, you know, in your hometown? Um, I don't know. Is that a regret, really? I mean, I think you any regret certain. Behaviors. I mean, I, I played well, and uh, disappointment is probably fair. That, dis- that was probably the one thing I would love to have done is the Australian Open. Everything else, I pretty much 
you know, I mean, I loved it one US Open, I loved it one French Open, I loved one win them all, you know, I mean, uh, of course, but, you know, realistically, I was very close to the Australian Open twice, and, and um, you know, I just got beaten by better players on the day, you know, I played well both times, and, you know, sometimes it happens, you, you play good matches and you lose, and, you know, I learned early on um, that, you know, sometimes you play poor matches and you win, um, and you sort of walk off, you go, mm, you know, that's, yeah, I won, but, you know, didn't really, I didn't really get the right spots. I didn't really achieve what I wanted to achieve today, and whatever. And there's other times where you go, gee, you know, I just I played really well, and the other guy just came up some great shots at the right time, and was you know nip and tuck the whole way. And that's that's pretty much what happened in the Australian Open finals. And uh, so I can walk away saying, well, I didn't choke. I played great matches, and I went down to the wire, and the other guys just came up some good stuff at the at the right time. And is there any part of you that would swap? your Wimbledon title for the Australian Open just because it's it's the Australian Open and that's where you're from? Um, probably not, but um, I don't know, Wimbledon's just got that prestige about, because it's Wimbledon. Um, not as hard a tournament to win or anything like that. And I mean, I don't have I don't have the choice to say I could swap or whatever. So it's, you know, but it, it's... Uh, I don't know Wimbledon was always this mysterious place that for me that uh, was the other side of the world and Australians always went there and did well and and you know to go there and follow and do that and follow in the footsteps I suppose was um, was you know what I wanted to achieve I mean I wanted to, I said I wanted to win the Australian Open as well but you know there's always disappointments in a tennis career I and mean, you have them just about every day you know you hit, don't hit the ball well you have bad practice or whatever every week you have some sort of disappointment unless you winning all the matches so that's just that's just the way it is it's part of life so you know yeah I'm disappointed when I come back to Australia and open every year I I'm, uh, I feel upset that I didn't quite get there but you know I can also say that I, I played well and that's the way it goes and speaking of disappointments perhaps one of the reasons that you that you perhaps didn't go on to, to win Australian Opens or US Opens is you were very much blighted by injury throughout throughout your career um, how mm. how depressing is it to go through a period of injury and to, to feel the tour going on without you and knowing that you're losing those ranking points and you know it just doesn't stop and you're staying still or in, in some cases going mm. backwards how how is that to deal with well, I'd like to say that, uh, yeah, I won more Grand Slams, but I, I think, to be perfectly honest, that I was kind of burnt out. Um, you know, I had the injury early on in my career, bad back, and uh, which actually helped me a lot because I realised I wasn't fit enough. So I decided there I was having a, on a baby, it was was coming, uh, and you know, I had a bad back, and Sympathy doctors pains. didn't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> wasn't coming then, exactly then, but I had a bad back for... Uh, at nine months and realized that you know I needed to get fit I needed to pull my life together again so that was the motivation really to really try and and so I got super super strong super fit super fast and um, you know I felt I was the best athlete in the world and and um, that was a motivation I won I wanted to win Davis Cup I wanted to win Wimbledon I did that you know but say so it's crazy by the age of 22 I think well, I've kind of achieved everything I wanted to achieve so I did lose motivation. I just found it very tough to play the other tournaments. Um, money wasn't... I wasn't interested in making money. It was about getting the titles. And, and once that sting came away, I, I just played a very high energetic type of game and um, tough on the body, you know, lunging around and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not a light guy, so I'm thumping down on those on the knees. And injuries just started coming. 
it was only towards the end um, I started you know when I was out for a long time that I started regaining my, my interest and my enthusiasm and, and then it was really frustrating because I couldn't get back on the court as one injury after the other and I learned a lot about the body I learned about you know fitness I learned about biomechanics and my game was better I was I was back strong again and um, all that sort of stuff but I just couldn't get I couldn't get a break um, so you know very short career really as far as matches is concerned and, and um, but you know that's the way it goes and I, you know I learned a lot from that I mean I know it sounds you know it's a cliche to say you know that, that um, out of, you know you learn your lessons from bad from tragedies or whatever it happens to be and it was meant to be and all those sort of things and yeah, it's true it's absolutely true so um, you know I uh, got a chance to spend time with my kids you know I was out injured and otherwise I would have been travelling the road and I would have been in school so lots of things happened but uh, overall uh, um, yeah I would have liked to have played some more tournaments I would have liked to have won some more matches but you know then again would I swap it for my time I had with my kids no I wouldn't Cash talking to us on the Tennis Podcast, star of the ATP Champions Tour and back on court in the Statoil Masters Tennis at the Royal Albert Hall in December. So that brings to close another Wimbledon Championships. We'll be back here in time for the Olympics as Roger Federer goes for the one major singles title still to elude him. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.